and welcome to Spotlights. It's the podcast for the Yale Forum on Religion and Ecology. And as usual, I'm your host, Sam Mickey. And uh, this episode's coming out on June 20th, 2022. And uh, that means that yesterday was Father's Day in the United States. And uh, that the summer solstice is tomorrow. And so that made me wonder uh, about the connection between Father's Day and the solstice and then uh, made me just think more deeply about Father's Day. And I figured I'd share some of my reflections uh, for you, both about like what Father's Day is just definitionally. And, uh, and then I'll share a more personal reflection. Um, but I don't know. The first thing I was thinking is what's the connection between the sun? Is it, did somebody choose Father's Day as the third Sunday in June because it's proximity to the solstice? And, uh, and I thought, you know, the sun, especially maybe the sun is a father, because in some contexts, some mythological contexts, the sun might be a kind of father god. Not all, though, of course. Um, uh, an easy example would be Japan, right? The goddess Amaterasu is a sun goddess uh, in Shinto. Uh, so, you know, just kind of wondering. And then it turns out, no, it has no connection. Uh, there's no reason that Father's Day is so close to the solstice. Totally uh, arbitrary that it ended up that way. And uh, And it turns out that not everybody celebrates it in uh, in June at all. And so that was surprising. Maybe everybody else knows that, especially people in other countries. Uh, but it turns out that it's celebrated pretty much throughout the year. There's not any month on the calendar where there's not at least one country uh, celebrating Father's Day sometime. So uh, really widely distributed. And these days it's a pretty global holiday. Uh, it started uh, in a Christian context at least like 500 years ago. And, uh, and then it has like early predecessors, maybe some hundreds of years before that. And uh, so, you know, if you think, does father have something to do with like God the father, that connection is there, right? Because it does have a Christian origin. Uh, but of course, it's not just about celebrating God the father, it's celebrating fathers, uh, human fathers here on earth, and paternal bonds, uh, the social influence of fathers. Uh, so, it has a wide variety of implications, uh, but it does have that uh, religious origin, uh, which I found interesting. In the United States, uh, it really wasn't a religious context for its founding. Uh, it was founded by a woman, Sonora Smart Dodd, and uh, she was basing it on her dad. Uh, Mother's Day had been founded a few years prior to this, so it was founded by her in 1910. Uh, around 1907 is when Mother's Day started in the United States. And so she was listening to like a Mother's Day sermon or something and thought, you know, I should do something like this because she really cared about her dad, uh, who was William Jackson Smart. And he was a Civil War veteran, single parent, raised six kids, including her. And so she's like, we need a holiday to celebrate people like this. And so she proposed uh, Father's Day in like 1909. And the next year, people started celebrating it. And first uh, in Spokane, Washington. And then it kind of grew from there, and now it's celebrated all across the United States. So, interesting. Uh, I, I just found those origins interesting. So, you know, I'm not here to then get more into the specifics of what makes a father <laughs> and gender roles, sexuality, things like that. Uh, I really just wanted to make some uh, more personal comments about my dad. You might think, are you using this as some kind of Father's Day card for your father? Uh, yeah, that's part of it. Uh, but it's also the case 
that one of the frequent things I hear on this podcast is people often want me to share a little bit more about myself, my perspective. And of course, it's called spotlights because we put a spotlight on other people in the field. So generally, I don't talk about myself too much. Uh, but uh, I fi figured this would be a, a good context for it, especially because one of the questions I like to ask people is, how did you get into the field of religion and ecology? And for me, my dad is a big part of that. So if I was asking myself that question, how did I get into this work? Uh, a lot of people and places and experiences are, have been part of it, and I'll maybe share some of those another time. Uh, but today I'll just uh, share a little bit about uh, how my dad has influenced me. Because really, I was kind of like raised to be like a philosopher or theologian, not like intentionally, but it was just so uh, deeply ingrained in me from a very early age. Like, what's a good example of this? Uh, you know, bedtime stories, right? My parents would have uh, like bedtime stories and such. And uh, sometimes, you know, when it was my dad's turn to give uh, some bedtime stories, he'd sneak in like philosophy stuff every now and again. Not all the time. It wasn't like all philosophy. That sounds terrible. But uh, sometimes he would. And it would be things that, you know, when you're like five years old, you're just like, what are you talking about? Because it's weird. Uh, so I remember, for instance, uh, St. Anselm's ontological proof for the existence of God. Uh, I remember that being told as like a bedtime story, which if you don't know, it's a kind of simple proof on the face of it. You know, if you just put, just putting it very simply, the argument is that uh, God is really great by definition, right? God is that then which nothing greater can be conceived. And then you go, okay, God is great. I'm with that. And you go, well, here's a question. Is it greater to exist or not exist? And you're like, oh, surely it's better to be than not be. Like, well, if God is by definition the greatest and great stuff exists, boom, God exists. And so it felt like a kind of magic trick. It's like, it's still, it's, instead of pulling like a rabbit out of a hat, like pulling God out of a hat, or, you know, the quarter behind the ear kind of thing. So it's God behind your ear. And I was just like, wow, this is, that's weird. And, you know, years later studying these things, I, I read, you know, like Thomas Aquinas being like, no, that's a terrible argument. You can't just argue from a definition like that. And we have to start with the world and kind of work backwards. You know, the cosmological proof for God, right? Uh, if everything's in motion, there had to be somebody to kickstart it, some unmoved mover, right? So anyway, that's just, you know, just as a kid. Or like uh, Rene Descartes, uh, you know, medita philosophical meditations, uh, where he kind of doubts everything, and you can't doubt that you're doubting. And so doubting is a form of thinking, therefore, he has that phrase, I think, therefore I am. I must exist, because even the act of doubting presupposes a doubter. That kind of radical doubt, you're like, you can doubt everything. Like as a kid, you know, that was like, oh, wow, uh, what a weird world we're living in. So, you know, Soren Kierkegaard's leap of faith, like stuff like that was just, you know, regular conversation from a young age. So I got pretty fascinated with that um, because of the magic of it, because of the, it's just weird. And uh, so then I got, you know, pretty religious as a kid and being raised Catholic, uh, by the time I was like eight or nine years old, when people said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd say the Pope, which is uh, funny, retrospectively. And my parents supported that. And they weren't like, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. They did help manage expectations uh, by letting me know that, you know, America's not normally the place that people are going to get popes. Uh, you know, so you can hold out hope, but it's not a super easy job to get. Uh, so it's, you know, 
it only took a few years or something for me to, to switch on to other things uh, that I wanted to be when I grew up. But, uh, you know, that's part of it. So where's the ecology side of things? Uh, in a similar way, that was something that was really just um, in me from a very early age. And, you know, my dad was a big part of that because he would uh, take the family out camping. So, you know, I've seen very young childhood pictures of me where I wasn't conscious yet. You know, I wasn't like uh, aware in a way where I can recover those memories, like three years old, four years old, and I'm out camping. So uh, being close to, um, you know, the great outdoors uh, was really part of my life from a very early age. And, uh, and then, you know, as I got a little older and could handle things more then things like fishing and, uh, and hunting as well. And, you know, I'll have to talk another time about like what responsible gun ownership looks like and gun safety. But that was one of the things is it, there was a lot of respect and responsibility, uh, with all that kind of process. So, uh, you know, these days I don't fish or hunt so much. Um, but I appreciate people who keep those kind of traditions alive. Uh, in, in a way that really honors uh, the subsistence practices that they're rooted in. And so uh, acknowledging especially indigenous communities. And that was something, again, that was kind of uh, appreciated. If we were, you know, camping somewhere, uh, we would, you know, consult folks about, you know, what were the indigenous communities here and that kind of stuff. Uh, so camping, fishing, hiking, hunting, you know, nature was just part of my life. And, uh, and it was always understood to be, a, you know, recreation in the sense of recreation, right? You're really uh, finding yourself out there. And so it had a spiritual sensibility, even though there weren't any, we weren't like talking about how religious it is to go uh, camping or anything. Uh, but it had that sense of awe, wonder, respect, reverence, you know. Uh, so we weren't just out there. Uh, you know, my parents did a good job of directing my attention as well as my sister's uh, toward kind of the the wondrous experiences we were having again without making a big deal of it but it was just there so i don't know as it kept aging like getting into my teens and 20s and stuff like that uh then i started to really get interested in more world's religions and kind of leave catholicism a little bit although you can you really even leave catholicism it's a complicated question like once you're baptized it's kind of you know but uh i did want to explore other things uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, indigenous traditions. I found all this stuff really interesting and wanted to learn about it and even practice, participate. And uh, it was really supported. You know, it was one of those things. And my dad was trying to raise a good Catholic kid. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to go check out these other traditions. And he was always supportive of that. Retrospectively, you read somebody like Thomas Aquinas. He's reading Aristotle, a pagan, right? And he's reading, you know, Maimonides, a, a Jewish philosopher. And is uh, reading, you know, uh, people like Ibn Rushd, right, the, I'm a Muslim philosopher. So that's Catholic. Catholic is supposed to be universal, so we should be in dialogue with all these traditions. So I got a lot of support for that. And then it was kind of natural that once I got into uh, higher ed, I would study on philosophy and religious kind of stuff and uh, really got hooked. And then just happened to get an undergraduate degree at the University of North Texas where they specialize in environmental ethics. And right, and so then the rest is kind of history. I started to piece together philosophy and, and nature and religion and nature. And uh, then it wasn't too long after that until I started uh, working with the Forum on Religion and Ecology and all the wonderful people there. And, uh, and now I'm teaching at a Jesuit university, or the University of San Francisco, uh, which is in a city named after St. Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of ecology. Uh, so religion and ecology, 
still very much present in my life in a way that it was uh, even when I was a little kid, where it's just fun and interesting to me. Um, I know there's also like a terrible environmental crisis and people want to like mobilize religious resources to address that crisis. And that's all great. But at the same time, I'm just amazed by things and continue to just enjoy learning about the, you know, the deep spiritual meaning of, of uh, the world we live in and, uh, and the specific details and contours of its life, its land, its air and its water. So I'll leave it there. And uh, don't worry if you don't like this. These personal touches, I don't do them much. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, with some other folks uh, to talk to. And in the meantime, I hope you take care and be well.